Welcome back to That's What I Call Jones History. I'm your host, Christina. We're going to discuss some obscure, little known black history facts on this dive into our knowledge journey. I will be reading from several sources that will be listed below. I hope everyone is preparing for and going to have a nice, well-earned holiday, hopefully a four-day weekend as I am having. Watch some classical Christmas movies if that's your thing. I don't think I've watched one of those in quite some time. Uh, my mom had a conversation with me the other day. She's like, you know what the true meaning of Christmas is about? And I was like, oh, let's just not go any further in that conversation, shall we? (laughs) But that is neither here nor there. I do hope everyone is celebrating however they choose to celebrate these holidays uh, with their fur babies, family, so on and so forth. Merry Christmas, ho, ho, ho. Africans mummified their dead 9,000 years ago. A mummified infant was found under the Uan Muhagayag rock shelter in southwestern Libya. The infant was buried in the fetal position and was mummified using a very sophisticated technique that must have taken hundreds of years to evolve. The technique predates the earliest mummies known in ancient Egypt by at least a thousand years. Carbon dating is controversial, but the mummy may date from 740-38, which is 220 BC. Another known fact that we have discussed before is that the Kushite Empire actually built more pyramids than the Egyptians ever did, were far more prolific, and those are the ones that are mainly seen and visited and still standing after all these years, and yet more attention is given to the Egyptian pharaohs, which we know come from... Greek or Macedonian descent when they took over the empire after Alexander the Great. So I think that knowing that some of their techniques also were derived from African culture shows an appropriation that continues until this day. According to history.com, February was chosen as the specific month for Black History Month because it's the month of both Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln's birthdays, which is controversial, very much so because it makes Abraham Lincoln primarily... uh, and, And there is a correlation between the two. Of course, because Frederick Douglass for years had been trying to get Abraham Lincoln to make the Civil War, which was not initially about the abolition of slavery into the abolition of slavery. And that's only when it dragged on for so long and there were so many losses 
And Britain thought to get involved and help the the Confederacy. That is when, you know, Abraham Lincoln added the abolition of slavery, which, of course, he was certainly on a personal level against. However, he was playing the political game and it was mainly a... It, it was a twofold idea. It was a morality, but it was also a a marketing and the way in which it was going to determine the financial future of this country. So adding that aspect to it, though, allowed for, well, it forbid Britain to really inf- interfere because it became a crusade more so than... Uh, about the economic potential. So making February Black History Month and making these two men the the face of that, it, it continues to market this idea that that Abraham Lincoln had taken on the crusade of Franklin. Douglas and it was more more so Frederick Douglas convinced I mean he did but only when it was beneficial and necessary for Lincoln to do so and he fought everything to be able to uh, put that at the forefront of what everyone was fighting for So there's just a little context to the idea of February being Black History Month. But I also am laughing on the inside because I can't not hear Bill Burr's monologue on SNL. (laughs) When he talks about how did it have to be the shortest month of the year? 28 days, it's fucking cold. Like we're equator people. At least give us June, (laughs) June, July. (laughs) <laughs> it'll be black history month and gay pride gay pride month it, he's hilarious so hilarious on the 1st of march 1979 the new york times carried an article on its front page also page 16 that was entitled nubian monarchy called oldest In this article, we were assured that, quote, evidence of the oldest recognizable monarchy in human history preceding the rise of the earliest Egyptian kings by several generations has been discovered in artifacts from ancient Nubia, end quote, i.e. the territory of the northern Sudan and the southern portion of modern Egypt. And down, where you from? I did get the splendid opportunity to visit Windsor Castle and some of the Nubian and African uh, just ceramics, their art that they have on display there is absolutely stunning. And the idea that a lot of these British colonizers and not just the British, but certainly considering how expansive their empire was, 
got their hands on all of this ancient history and the beauty and the the richness of it and certifiably added it to their collection uh and then on top of got to write the the history books on the significance or insignificance while concealing the greatness of these great empires. And if you ever get a chance to visit, because I'm going back to Britain, uh, some of the museums to get to see, particularly Windsor Castle, some of these artifacts, it's glorious to know, uh, particularly if you have ancestry in those areas, how richness or how rich <laughs> both your your ancestry truly was and how that was pretty much pillaged by those that sought to romanticize but also keep hidden its profound uh ideology Right you are, motherfucker! About the intelligence and capability of black and brown people at that time. The 396th Infantry Regiment, or commonly referred to as the Harlem Hellfighters, were a unit of African American infantry unit in World War One. This unit spent 191 days in the frontline trenches which were more than any other American unit. I'm of two minds about this because on one hand, I want Hollywood to make a movie about this if they already haven't uh, because I honestly didn't think to Google this fact. But secondly, the reason why I didn't think to Google this fact is because I personally don't find helicopter plane movie, I don't find war movies at all something that I particularly enjoy watching. So on one hand, I think it's important to tell the story. On the other hand, I'm probably not going to go to the theater to watch it. Shame. 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 I'm a thought. I'll own it. I'm not ashamed. A 16th century traveler visited the Central African civilization of Kanin Borno and commented that the emperor's cavalry had golden stirrups, spurs, bits, and buckles. Even the ruler's dogs had, quote, chains of the finest gold. Wealth continues to be a theme throughout the story of Africa. The insurmountable amount of it and the way in which every European power converged and exploited the people there to extract said wealth and up until this day continue to do so through economic type of warfare warfare like what is going on in 
the, the, the Republic of Congo, I believe, the Democratic Republic of Congo, but the way in which, you know, even after decolonization, those empires deserted the people without any resources or educational system, basically tossing them back to the Stone Age in which it became a a certain survival of the fittest scenario in which a group of people that should be coming together to capitalize on their resources and be a united nation is now split between competing ones that established themselves that that ran for the wealth first and now are continuing to keep the the populace starved out of that exchange with the colonies that are still keeping a firm thumb on the white populace that still lives there it's it's a it's a modern story that's played out through the greatness that once was these nations the nigerian city of sarame flourished in the 16th century even in ruin it was an impressive site built on a horizontal vertical grid a modern scholar describes it thus quote the walls of sarame are about 10 miles in circumference and include many large bastions or walled suburbs running out at right angles to the main wall the large compound at Kanta is still visible in the center with ruins of many buildings, one of which is said to have been two-storied. The striking feature of the walls and whole ruins is the extensive use of stone and toskua, which is laterate gravel or very hard red building mud evidently brought from a distance. There is a big mound of this near the north gate, about eight feet in height. The walls show regular courses of masonry to a height of 20 feet and more in several places. The best preserved portion is that known as Sarati, the bridge a little north of the eastern gate. The main city walls here appear to have provided a very strongly guarded entrance about 30 feet wide. End quote. In Birmingham, Alabama, thousands of young children participated in a series of nonviolent demonstrations known as the Children's Crusade. Subsequently, their efforts resulted in the desegregation of public facilities in Birmingham. I'm really proud of you. Many young demonstrated, not only young, young children, but teenagers, particularly in a lot of the violence that would occur in the streets during the civil rights because a lot of their parents that were in the church had a much more just like in every generation right there's always the parents that are a little reserved and the children that are like fuck it i need it and i need it now Every generation has it. The the demand of the young and the reserve of the elders. Uh, And 
if it's done right, it can it could be a very beneficial beneficial evolution in history. But sometimes it could be done wrong, like at the end of the 60s when fuck they go and shoot up a whole fucking campus and then you're like, I guess we'll just go a part of the machine now. <laughs> and now we're we're back at that that decade where things are either going to shift dramatically or they're going to end up uh, leveling back out to normality, which is both sad, but in the in the strive of change it's always in the war of that anyway certainly isn't you know over time if you look at history certainly isn't the the what's the word i'm looking for vertical line or horizontal line i don't know i'm not good at math (laughs) i think it's i think it's horizontal No, now I'm convinced it's vertical. Whichever one, it's not a straight plateau up, okay? It's very much a give, give ground, lose ground, give ground, gain ground, lose ground, gain a little bit more ground, and hopefully not absolutely, utterly be tossed back into the fucking Stone Age. That all to be said, (laughs) that is often a an un a undiscussed part of history the way in which children and young people are involved in these types of crusades even the poor crusade in uh yeah there was a crusades that actually a christian crusades where a whole bunch of fucking kids went out and wanted to die for christ and they did put your faith in the light wouldn't let that shit happen to me though The Ethiopian city of Aksum has a series of seven giant obelisks that date from perhaps 300 BC to 300 AD. They have details carved into them that represent windows and doorways of several stories. The largest obelisk now fallen is in fact, quote, the largest monolith ever made anywhere in the world, end quote. It is 108 feet long, weighs a staggering 500 tons, and represents a 13-story building. George Edwin Taylor was an activist, American journalist, and politician. In 1904, he was the candidate of the National Negro Liberty Party for the Office of President of the United States. Additionally, he was the first African-American to run for the presidency. That is something I certainly, in a name, I've never heard of. Toilets and sewerage systems existed in ancient Egypt. One of the pharaohs built a city now known as Amarna. An American urban planner noted that, quote, great importance was attached to cleanliness in Armana as in other Egyptian cities. Toilets and sewers were in use to dispose waste. Soap was made for washing the body. Perfumes and essences were popular against body odor. A solution of natron was used to keep insects from houses. Armana may have been the first planned, quote, garden city, end quote. 
that is very interesting to me because when you think about the past, as with all of us, <laughs> we have a very European idea of what the past was like. I think I've discussed this even in Vikings, that they were 10 times more clean than the average British European, right? And the idea that the European uh, tradition of hygiene is how other cultures handled hygiene continues to be proven incorrect. <laughs> Basically, the white people was nasty as fuck and everyone else had their shit together. Why she stinks? And I know what you're thinking. What about the Romans? The Romans were Italians. Look where, look where the fuck Romans at. <laughs> I'm talking about Celtic, um, pure-blooded, uh, the ancestors to col colonizers. Y'all got that shit from all of us. We were back in the day, but no, seriously, that's one part of it. But on the other hand, not going to pretend as if that wasn't a prolific idea. But, it, but yeah, it's great to learn that other cultures did have this idea that no, I don't want my body to stink and I don't need to take a bath once a month or that water because, you know, it's not even just that. It's the the France where they thought water was toxic. I, I, don't, I don't get these ideas, but these were the ideas of the time. And thus, places like Versailles, where all of the, the concentrated wealth was, or the power, were actually just these cesspools of just gross and other places in the world that had concentrated wealth as well that were eventually colonized had better ideas of what hygiene should be. The Nigerian city of Il Ife was paved in 1000 AD on the orders of a female ruler with decorations that originated in ancient America. Naturally, no one wants to explain how this took place approximately 500 years before the time of Christopher Columbus. Glass windows existed at the time, or at that time. The residents of the Gahanian Empire in 1116 AD was, quote, a well-built castle, thoroughly fortified, decorated inside with sculptures and pictures, and having glass windows, end quote. I really wish we had more portraits, and I'm pretty sure there are a lot of a lot of kingdoms that are hoarding such treasures <laughs> that we could see that would show the opulence of what came before. Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School was one of America's first public high schools for black children. Established in 1870, Dunbar was known for its excellent academics and highly qualified faculty. Ruins of a 300 BC astronomical observatory, observatory, there we go, was found at Namor Tunga in Kenya, 
Africans were mapping the movements of stars such as Triangulum, Aldebaran, Bellatrix, the Central or Central Orion, etc., as well as the moon in order to create a lunar calendar of 354 days. That's truly remarkable, but one has to think that a study of the stars back in the day would probably be something that would be an easy hobby to fall into because they didn't have they didn't have Twitter or or Tumblr or whatever form of social media to keep one occupied. Matthew Henson was an African American explorer known as the North Pole coal discoverer alongside Robert Edwin Peary in 1909. After they made it, they went on to explore the Arctic for another two decades. Because it was the early 1900s, when they returned home from the Arctic, Perry was met with praise and recognition, while Henson was disregarded. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. It's the hard knock life for us. It's the hard knock life for us. Furthermore, Henson published a memoir entitled A Negro Explorer in the North Pole, which chronicled his Arctic adventures. He gained some notoriety for his accomplishments, but not enough. In the late 1930s, Henson received proper recognition as he was asked to join the New York Explorers Club. Decades later, after he passed away in the 2000s, Henson got the National Geographic Hubbard Medal. I think he needs to get the Nobel Peace Prize, even though I don't at all know what the qualifications are. <laughs> But I do think that if you are the co-fucking discoverer of the North Pole, you certainly should get more than a posthumous award, even though I don't even know how significant that award is. It just doesn't feel as if it's the highest. Autopsies and cesarean operations were routinely and effectively carried out by surgeons in pre-colonial Uganda. The surgeons routinely used antiseptics, ana, uh, ana, ana, oh, that looks like a word for Mimi, <laughs> and cautery iron, commenting on a Ugandan cesarean operation that appeared in the Edinburgh Medical Journal in 1884. One author wrote, quote, this whole conduct of the operation suggests a skilled, long-practiced surgical team at work conducting a well-tried and familiar operation with smooth efficiency. Many old West African families have private library collections that go back hundreds of years. The Mauritanian cities of Chingueta or Goeti and Udain have a total of 3,450 handwritten medieval books. There may be another 6,000 books still surviving in another city of Walata. Some date back to the 8th century AD. 
There are 11,000 books in private collections in Niger. Finally, in Timbuktu, Mali, there are about 700,000 surviving books. And this is what I mean by, ooh, there's so much we can't get our hands on and we'll never get our hands on. And I can't even blame anyone for Afri- in Africa wanting to hold on and never allowed anyone in the world to look at their, their history. A ruined mosque in the Kenyan city of Getty had a water purifier made of limestone for recycling water. In 1961, a British archaeologist found the ruins of Husani Kubawa, the royal palace of the Tanzanian city of Kilwa. It had over 100 rooms, including a reception hall, galleries, courtyards, terraces, and an octagonal swimming pool. This continues to reinforce and reiterate the fact that Africa had kingdoms, had palaces of grandeur, just as elegant, elegant, and eloquent (laughs) as the ones in Paris and France and Britain and Scotland. There was nothing to say that Africa, as it had been told by the the colonials going back home, that these were these backward people that were uncivilized. And yet there is a lot of culture, innovation, intelligence that were even robbed from those cultures and, and appropriated, once again, that word into modernization. But it certainly wasn't the tale that they were telling about the insignificance of Africans at this time. Ethiopia has 11 underground medieval churches built by being carved out of the ground. In the 12th and 13th centuries AD, Roja became the new capital of the Ethiopians. Conceived as a new Jerusalem by its founder, Emperor Lalibela, see 1150 to 1230 it contains 11 churches all carved out of the rock of the mountains by hammer and chisel all of the temples were carved to a depth of 11 meters or so below the below the ground level the largest is the house of redeemer a staggering 33.7 meters long 23.7 meters wide and 11.5 meters deep I was honestly having a conversation with my mother and I be trying to tell her to stop. (laughs) She knows I'm a history lover. So if you're going to point out and want to go into a conversation and try to tell me something is uh, factual when it's not, I'm going to let you know that it's not. And she was trying to embark on the idea that Christianity was a a white idea in her in her mind that was uh, was enforced upon black people. And I had to very much well, I started to very much go into the details behind why that was incorrect before she cut me off because she clearly (laughs) was not 
catching up to what I was putting down or had no interest in is more appropriately the uh, the response. But yeah, it's even those those ideas that black people were not religious. <laughs> you know, that we just were out you know you doing more pagan like religious practices is just these misconceptions that continue to proliferate through centuries and generations. And if you honestly are not one of those people that go out and seek that knowledge, that's the story that continues to be told. Ethiopia minted its own coins over 1500 years ago. One scholar wrote that, quote, almost no other contemporary state anywhere in the world could issue in gold, a statement of sovereignty achieved only by Rome, Persia, and the Kushan kingdom in northern India at that time, end quote. The medieval Nigerian city of Benin was built to, quote, a scale comparable with the Great Wall of China, end quote. There was a vast system of defensive walling totaling 10,000 miles in all. Even before the full extent of the city walling had become apparent in the Guinness Book of World Records, uh, or Guinness Book of Records, carried an entry in the 1974 edition that described the city as, quote, the largest earthworks in the world carried out prior to the mechanical era, end quote. African-Americans living near the Seminole were called Black Seminole. Several hundred people of African descent traveled with the Seminole when they were removed to Indian Territory. Others stayed with the few hundred Seminole who remained in Florida undefeated by the Americans. If you are interested in more of this, there is a documentary on HBO Max called, uh, oh... Oh, now it's going to escape my mind, so now I have to go look for it. It's called Exterminate All the Brutes. Watch that. It's really good. It's very informative. Until recently, historic relations between Native Americans and African Americans were relatively neglected in mainstream United States history studies. At various times, Africans had varying degrees of contact with Native Americans, although they did not live together in as great a number as with Europeans. Enslaved Africans brought to the United States and their descendants have had a history of cultural exchange and intermarriage with Native Americans, as well as with other enslaved mixed-race persons who had some Native American and European ancestry. Most interaction took place in New England, where contact was early, and the southern United States, where the largest number of African-descended people were enslaved. In the 21st century, a significant number of African-Americans have some Native American ancestry, but most have not grown up within those cultures and do not have current social, cultural, or linguistic ties to Native peoples. This is important because my grandma likes to try to take, you know, or... or, (laughs) I'm trying to find the more appropriate terminology for it, but it is one thing to claim your, your background, like, oh, I have Native American ancestry, but it's another to not do anything to try to (laughs) learn about, or it's just a commentary 
to uh to elevate one's stature so to speak in the descendant history of america but other than that there's no relation between such cultures and in in a sense that does a disjustice at least like if you know you're nigerian like i learned that from ancestry.com you know, I want to learn more about that culture. I want to learn. I mean, I use everything in my life to change about that. Certainly, but there is a an awareness there, a need to understand more, or at least uh, certainly have that information to pass on if that's what you want to bring up as an important part of of who you are. Hopefully I'm making sense with that without sounding too insensitive. (laughs) It's hard with me sometimes. Relationships among different Native Americans, Africans, and African Americans have been varied and complex. Some tribes or bands were more accepting of ethnic Africans than others and welcomed them as full members of their respective cultures and communities. Native peoples often disagreed about the role of ethnic African people in their communities. Other Native Americans saw uses uses for slavery and did not oppose it for others. Some Native Americans and people of African descent fought alongside one another in armed struggles or resistance against U.S. expansion into Native territories, as in the Seminole Wars in Florida. I think that that is a distinct, uh, the way in which that was broken down, african-americans african or africans african-americans and native americans because there is a distinction you know some africans went back to africa some africans did not they stayed here buffalo soldiers in 1890 uh the nickname was given to the black cavalry by the native american tribes they fought After the American Civil War, some African-Americans became or continued as members of the U.S. Army. Many were assigned to fight against Native Americans in the wars in the Western Frontier States. Their military units became known as the Buffalo Soldiers, a nickname given by Native Americans. Black Seminole men in particular were recruited from Indian Territory to work as Native American scouts for the Army. Also love when... You have that racist white person being like, I fall for my country. And it's like, do you really think that African-Americans didn't fight for theirs either? You just think that you was the only one on the motherfucking battlefield? Did you not take a look around at any point in time? Or were you just with one squadron? <laughs> like, that is why black Americans are so uh, adamant, Right? Your blood and sweat and tears ain't in there. Actually, more of my blood, sweat, and tears is probably there than yours. Not to mention we did all the fucking work raised to your fucking kids. Whoa, calm down, Jamal. Don't pull out the nine. (laughs) One report by the European Commission Against Racism and Intolerance estimates there are 200,000 to 300,000 black people living in Germany although other sources guess that number is higher, upwards of 800,000 people. I looked this up because I honestly didn't think there were black people in Germany. (laughs) So I needed to know 
if there were black people in journey Germany and it took me down a few interesting additional facts. Some historians claim that the first sizable influx of Africans came to Germany from Germany's African colonies in the 19th century. Some people living in Germany today can claim ancestry dating back five generations to that time. Yet Prussia's colonial pursuits in Africa were quite limited and brief from 1890 to 1918 and far more modest than the British, Dutch, and French empires. Prussia's Southwest African colony was the site of the first mass genocide committed by Germans in the 20th century. In 1904, German colonial troops countered a revolt with the massacre of three quarters of Herero population in what is now Nambia. That is incorrect. It is uh, Namibia. In the 1920s, before the Nazis came to power, some African-Americans traveled to Weimar, Germany from 1918 to 1933, where they could freely eat in restaurants, stay in hotels, go to the theater, and perform at mainstream venues. After the Nazis came to power in 1933, Germany was no longer safe or appealing for African-Americans. I want to break free! The Nazi regime was explicitly racist, which included a wholesale rejection of African-American culture, such as jazz and swing music that were increasingly popular at the time. I'm pretty sure, though, I heard either it was Goebbels. It was Go- it had to be Goebbels or one of the other one. Top generals would always secretly listen to jazz. Once the Nazi regime came to power, Afro-Germans were marginalized in German society, isolated socially and economically, and not allowed to attend university. Racial discrimination prohibited them from seeking most jobs. By the end of 1937, the Gestapo had secretly rounded up and forcibly sterilized many Afro-Germans. Some were subjected to medical experiments. Others mysteriously disappeared. In addition to being persecuted for their race, Afro-Germans were persecuted for other reasons. For example, hilarious, that is not funny, but it is, in fact, their name, Gilgis, was an Afro-German dancer and a communist activist from Dusseldorf, Germany, Uh, Nazis murdered him on June 20th, 1933 for his politics as well as his race. Today, hilarious Gilgis plots in Dusseldorf memorializes Gilgis as a victim of Nazi terror. There was a movie that came out around an African-American family and most clearly were... (laughs) just uninformed when they spoke about what they thought the film was about, thinking it was a romance and it really wasn't. (laughs) It was about exactly what it was like to be an Afro German in a time where your country and you saw yourself as a certain way and your country rejects you. It's, um, it's a really good and moving film. Uh, And it certainly doesn't come away with any, romanticized happy ending that's for for sure it's actually rather tragic 
and a good movie. So I suggest you check it out. Again, don't ask me the name of it because I do not know. <laughs> Just type in Afro-German. I guess I could type that in right now on Google. Afro-German movie. See if it pops up. Yep. Where hands touch. There you go. Check that movie out. It actually is a really decent movie. After World War One, more blacks, mostly French Senegalese soldiers or their offspring ended up in the Rhineland region and other parts of Germany. Estimates vary, but by the 1920s, there were about 10,000 to 25,000 black people in Germany, most of them in Berlin or other metropolitan areas. Precisely how many black Germans died in Nazi concentration camps is not known, nor is really ever discussed, but estimates put the figure at between 25 to 50,000. And of course, in comparison to the Jewish massacre, genocide, really, um, I can certainly see why this would be relatively at the back of the, the crimes that occurred, but black people were also a part of the the extermination that happened in in germany the relatively low numbers of black people in germany their wide dispersal across the country and the nazis focus on the jews were more factors that made it possible for more many black germans to survive the war exactly if there were a larger uh group in which to exterminate i think more would have been exterminated and then there's the the nazis and they're very conflicting because uh, there's the honorary nazis which were the jews that hitler were like oh they're honorary aryans you know the jazz singers they still listen to that's you know someone's got to keep making that fucking jazz so fucked up that whole idealism and we got political factions trying to bring that dream back alive. What a world we live in. That is going to conclude our, our history lesson this week. I hope you had fun. I know I did. If you have any ideas or suggestions, blackercouch at gmail.com. You can leave a comment below. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, and subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic. <laughs>